Welcome to Five Stones Church. I'm Pastor Rich. This morning we are very excited to continue on with our summer series, which we've been preaching from the Song of Songs. And we've had some wonderful, wonderful testimonies from our members. And we have another great testimony lined up today. And Linda and Jordy Ketchum are going to come and share their story. And that's going to be followed by a guest speaker, but not someone that's unfamiliar to you. Uh, Alex Pearson, our elder in training, will be bringing the message. So he'll be coming up straight after Linda and Jordy. So come on up. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'd also just take, take a moment and really thank our cell group for coming out and supporting us in huge numbers. That is so awesome. Where else but in Five Stones can you have such wonderful friends and such huge support? So thank you. So I'm Linda. That's Jordy, just in case. Um, so we have a perfect marriage for us. In other words, it's perfectly imperfect. But let me, let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was two people looking for love and companionship, both being new to town and extremely busy in their careers. They decided to explore alternate methods of gaining introductions to candidates. One such method was video dating. Well, when you sign up for video dating, the service helps you create a video of yourself answering all sorts of questions so that the person watching the video might get to know you. Once the video is created, it is shown to suitable matches, the criteria of which you have pre previously chosen. So I happened to watch Jordy's video, and he watched mine. I decided he was worth a date. Our first date, my version. I was rushed because I had to leave my kids with my, at my brother's place, and my sister-in-law had prepared dinner for all of us. I felt obligated, so I ate. Once Linda and I met at the restaurant, we were, and we were seated, she kept asking me all sorts of questions about me and, and my life. I wasn't used to people being interested in me, and I was a little taken back. However, once she hit on the subject of my ex-wife, well, the words just came pouring out. Of course, I wasn't eating too much because I'd already eaten, and then I was really intrigued with the fact that Linda was engaging, responsible, take-charge kind of person, successful, genuinely concerned with how I was doing, and she cared, seemed to care about others. I had originally decided to, uh, and was determined to, to find a mate that was the exact opposite of my ex-wife, and Linda seemed to fit that bill pretty well. First date, Linda's version. So I arrived at the restaurant on time and waited for Jordy. Once we were seated, I ordered my dinner because I was starving. I hadn't eaten all day. It was a busy day. So once the meal arrived, I made sure that I asked lots of questions to keep Jordy talking so I could eat, as he didn't seem to be eating very much. <laughs> then I asked about his first marriage. Well. He didn't stop talking. However, so by the end of the evening, I wasn't sure if we would see each other again. However, I did feel that Jordy really needed a friend. Now our second date, which is about three days later, I called Jordy to find out if we were going to meet again. So we arranged to meet as I had tickets to, from work for a comedy show. We watched the show and then we went out for coffee. 
We ended up staying at that coffee shop and we talked all night long. We seemed to have an endless amount of things that we needed to share with each other. And as the sun rose the next morning, we found it very hard to part ways. Then our third date. Jordy had invited me over to his place as he wanted to show off his culinary skills. Well, burnt peas, raw rice, and overcooked steak. Hmm. We spent the evening at his place talking. This is also the date we almost broke up. Jordy is all about being honest, and he confessed he didn't usually date girls who didn't have the perfect body. Well, I was devastated. Have you ever had the feeling when you thought you did you're doing something right, and the person's response was so, uh, you know, so uh, difficult and, and, and painful that you felt like you've broken them? I've had that feeling. Anyways, the connection that we had already established was something that I didn't really want to give up. So in addition, earlier that night, I had a vision of a little girl that was hiding inside Linda, and she came out to play. This little girl was as clear as day, and in, in my mind, I could see this, this little six- or eight-year-old girl, you know, really playful, and I, I could just sense that it was Linda. So I decided to explain to Linda what was going on, and as soon as she realized what was happening or what I was talking about, the little girl ran away. So I was determined to find that little girl and bring her out. Normally, Linda's really serious, so finding this playful cyber was, was a real treat, and I've only had this experience like a couple times in my life. So as far as attraction was concerned, as I mentioned, I'd made the decision that I wanted to find someone that was the exact opposite of my first wife. I figured that was the solution. <laughs> so the qualities of Linda being intelligent and, and intimate and caring and professional and capable and reliable, I could go on and on, seemed to really fit the bill, and I wanted to check into that. For me, I was looking for a successful business person who wanted to continue to grow in learning and in life. I was also looking for someone who was quite different than my first husband as well. And Jordy's qualities of listening, providing insightful advice, were very extremely attractive. We quickly became each other's confidant with many coffee marathons to the wee hours of the night, and I still had to go to work the next day. So, one year later, if you asked me when, about when he proposed, I would say, which time? Over the course of our 17-year courtship, let me repeat that, 17-year courtship, Jordy has proposed three times. The reason for this is that, you know, each proposal has a time limit and it expires. After all, once a proposal has been made and accepted, it is reasonable to expect that it will be fulfilled within, let's say, a five-year period. <laughs> so once that time was up, I expected Jordy to propose again if he still wanted to marry me. Should have seen some of those discussions on whether it had an expiry date or not. <laughs> My first proposal was at the Banff Springs Hotel, very, very plush place in, in Banff, and I was really nervous. I wanted it to be just perfect. I'd made reservations for dinner at, in the dining room, which also featured dancing, because Linda and I like to dance. 
And I had been leaving hints to Linda as to when this might happen. Uh, such as a crowded place. I would propose to her at a crowded place. And because we're going to dinner you know, in a different city, she figured that it wasn't going to happen tonight. But uh, during the evening, I had planned on proposing just after dessert, and I had arranged for all the serving staff to surround us, thus a crowd of people. As the time got closer, I got more and more nervous. So I went off to the bathroom to practice my speech, a little, actually not a little, a long poem. And if you can picture me down on one knee in the washroom, proposing to the urinal, every time a guy come in, he'd turn around and go right back out. <laughs> so I got over my fear, and at the right time, I proposed, she accepted, and we had a great evening. Second proposal was the Mexican Riviera. I had purchased another ring, and I, uh, unfortunately, by the time that I was to access the ring, I'd hidden it, somebody had stolen it. And so I made a ring out of paper, and we, we got engaged with a paper ring. <laughs> My third proposal was back at the Banff Springs. This time, this was going to be the final proposal. Again, there was a time limit to us getting married now. So at the end of this expiry date, it was, it was in writing too. So uh, I wanted to make sure that it was perfect, much as the first one had been. And I was a lot less ex uh, uh, nervous. And I, uh, the, she said yes, and everything went perfect. So early on in our relationship, one thing Jordy always said was that we couldn't get married until we had enough good memories. So we proceeded to create good memories. Let me share some of them with you. There was a time when shortly after we got together, we decided that the children from both families needed to meet. So we took the chance and arranged a ski trip with all five kids, and we were amazed. Everyone got along, liked each other, we had a lot of fun together, and it created wonderful memories for us and the kids and we have created many more fun family memory trips. Other memories is there was a time we went backcountry skiing and we got lost. We left at 4 p.m. and we only had to ski 10 kilometers to a backcountry lodge. We were still skiing at midnight in the dark without any support or backup. We did make it out by 2 a.m. and found a hotel not too far away. We laughed through that whole experience and even though it could have been quite tragic. Then there was a memory at the time we went hiking up to a, a mountain to a glacier hut. Jordy had been hoping for an intimate evening. Well, we hiked up the mountain, took us six hours, only to find 30 other people there in the lodge on bunk beds in the same room. <laughs> Not an intimate evening for us. Then there was a time we went scuba diving in the caves and Jordy got hung up on the roof of the cave and I had to rescue him. Then there was a time the family went whitewater rafting and Jordy was explaining to all of us of how not to fall out of the raft. Then he proceeded to fall out of the raft. <laughs> then there was a time Jordy took me downhill skiing for the first time. I was up on the hill and got down about halfway and then I totally froze, couldn't move. Jordy had to come and get me and then he skied backwards down the hill and held on to me the whole way. And then there was a time that Jordy decided he was going to teach me how to play golf. He went to Walmart, bought me my first set of golf clubs. We went to a course. They paired us up with another couple of guys. 
You should have seen the look on their faces when I took out that first club and unwrapped it. <laughs> Needless to say, they, they golfed ahead of us. <laughs> We'd like to share some lessons of our relationship. First is showing love. Early on in our relationship, I struggled terribly with accepting that Jordy loved me. He would tell me that he loved me, and I would say, no, you don't. The reason I felt this way was that it felt to me that his actions didn't support his words. Now I have come to understand the languages of love and that realized that he just wasn't supporting my way of receiving love. Lesson learned is to learn how your partner receives love. Today we have what we refer to as love gushes. We both experience them. It can happen at any time and when we least expect it. Another uh, lesson that we learned is listening, really listening. And early in our relationship, we were really struggling. And I would come to a, an argument with Linda, ready to force my opinion upon her. And that was because when Linda would come to the argument, she was completely prepared. She had all the facts and figures, and she knew where the conversation was going to go. I felt completely unarmed. And this, this would lead me to losing more arguments than winning, and I felt that I had to ensure I won my fair share to keep my head above water in the relationship. This would push me to fight harder and assert myself. And Linda got to the point where she felt unheard and alone. And then one day, I felt that God spoke to me and said, be quiet and just listen, right in the middle of a huge argument. When I did this, peace washed over me and I relaxed. I really heard what she had, and I listened, and I really heard what she had to say and how she felt and what her position was. And then our relationship went from being invested in winning arguments to being invested in each other. So I got the true value of listening to Linda and understanding her needs, which helped us both move forward. Another important lesson that I learned, I think I learned most of the lessons, didn't I? <laughs> Communication. Uh, when again, we were in really rocky times, we were really struggling at being heard and making the relationship work. I remember confiding in someone that we were having arguments all the time, getting nowhere, and Linda would get to the point where she just asked me to move out. My friend asked me, well, what did you tell her? And I said, I didn't say anything. I guess I was, I was frozen or something. And he said, did you ever consider the idea that maybe she doesn't really want you to leave? but that she is testing you or testing your relationship because she's insecure about the relationship. Just tell her how you feel. Well, that never crossed my mind. What an interesting concept. So the next time we had one of these ar those arguments, I told her that I didn't want to move out. I, I didn't want the relationship to end. I wanted to work things out. And she said that's not what she wanted either, that she just didn't think that I was committed now, by speaking the truth for each, other, uh, each of us, it changed the whole dynamic of the arguments. It went from moving out to how does commitment show up for us. And we learned to communicate from the heart. Now, here's a big one. Conflict. Conflict, to me, was like the end of the world. Conflict was a dangerous place, but now it is a lot safer place. Today, conflict resolution is the solution to a rift between us. It's an opportunity to learn. It's an opportunity to understand our, 
our partners better as we and as well as ourselves. It's an opportunity to be invested in someone else's heart instead of our own. We look at conflict much differently now. One thing I learned from Linda early on was what she did not have a problem telling me that she had a problem. And I would go, okay, I've had enough, stop now. My upbringing was that if it was bad, you just didn't talk about it. I saw the benefit of quietly listening, sitting down, listening without, without judgment, and speaking about our hurts and feelings, much like Linda would approach it. And I would go, what? Okay, you're right. I was selfish. I'm sorry. I won't do that anymore. And she would keep track. <laughs> I learned about myself, and I learned about her. It took a long time, but I got to a point where saying difficult things was not necessarily a bad thing. And I learned, too, that I, um, you don't have to be feeling well to be doing well, because sometimes you just have to wade through the muck to get to the other side. And the last lesson we want to share with you is gratitude. We practice an attitude of gratitude. It sounds a little hokey, but it is true. When you look at all the things that happen in a day and that you can be grateful for, you cannot help but feel that God is making a difference in your life. When you look at your spouse and you really see all the things that they do or have and really appreciate them, really be grateful that they are in your life and the difference that they do make in your life, gratitude is the only answer. When things get tough and you find yourself in a hole that you can't get out of, stop digging. Being grateful is the ladder that will bring you out of the hole. We would like to leave you with this, what our relationship means to us. To me, well, one thing I want to say first is when Linda and I pray together, I make a point of saying that thank you, God, for putting Linda in my life. Because when I look at Linda, I see love. When I think about Linda, I feel the presence of God surrounding us. I feel safe with Linda. I feel part of something that is bigger than both of us. Linda keeps me honest, and the result is that I'm a better person. Linda treats me with kindness and tenderness. We allow the humanness in our relationship to be present, and that's okay. The more we grow in love, the more we learn about ourselves and each other. It's like a fresh feeling connecting deeper and experiencing a deep, deep level of love. And when I look at Jordy, I see love. When I think about Jordy, I see gentleness, kindness, and humility. We have been together for 28 years. Let me repeat that, 28 years. And those years have disappeared as if the first date was only yesterday. We have traveled in the blink of an eye from there to here. God has entwined our lives, and yeah, he sure has, <laughs> entwined our lives together, and we will not be separated. God has blessed our relationship with love and humor, happiness and devotion. We are each other's most trusted companion, lover, and friend. And as we walk off into the sunset holding hands, we lived happily ever after. Man, you put this mic on, I feel like I'm one of the NSYNC people. <laughs>
which, which seems kind of apt because I feel like my lunch kind of wants to go bye, bye, bye right now. So. But uh, as Patrick Rich said, my name is Alex Pearson. I'm one of the elders in training here. And uh, yeah, I just get the privilege to speak today and follow up on that wonderful testimony. So thank you, Jordy and Linda, for that. Um, I obviously got to read the transcript kind of a, a week and a half earlier and it read exactly like you guys said it, um, although it was better in person. So hearing, hearing your, your love story, it's, it's the communication to me that was at the center of that relationship. Um, their desire to share and discuss their lives, joys, hurts, failures, and successes with another person. And it doesn't get more kingdom than that. Jesus showed us through his ministry how in his kingdom we are to live and love one another and sharing our lives and creating a community that supports each other in sickness and in health. An even more special version of this relationship is that between a husband and wife, and prior to that, between two people in love. In the beginning, God created a special relationship between man and woman, a mirror of the relationship that we are to have with him. A perfect mutual communication of life in all its ups, downs, failures, successes, misery, pain, joy, happiness, boredom, and stress. And speaking of stress, so this last week, Rich started talking about how God feeds us, and he, he, he started out by transliterating some of the prose of Song of Songs into food terms for our Pastor John. And I can tell you, I was sitting at home very stressed out because I thought that Pastor Rich was about to inadvertently steal my sermon. Um, that I had started uh, writing a couple days before. However, in the ways that only God knows and understands, he instead provided me with a beautiful segue into our discussion today. So John spoke of how he struggles with the poetic language and the, the weird metaphors of song and songs, and Rich answered by putting this into a language that John knows and loves, that of food. Today I'm going to kind of talk about another reason that we struggle with Song of Songs, and that is because it's a love language between a couple, and we don't know all the details, the inside stories, and the nuances that they are communicating to each other in the specific use of their words. So let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day, and we just thank you that we have the opportunity to learn some more about you and to learn about the books that you've given us, the words that you've given us, and the wisdom that you've given us. And um, so, Lord, we just pray that today that, that the words you have spoken to me would just be your words, Lord, that it would speak through your spirit and have your power, Lord. And so, Lord, just pray all of this in your name. Amen. So, as previously mentioned, by John and Rich, Song of Songs is a really weird book. And to read and study it is, is different. So many in the Christian circles really ignore it altogether. And it doesn't fit nicely with kind of any of the other books in the Bible. You have the Pentateuch, you have the narratives, you have the major prophets, you have the minor prophets. And it can almost seem like Song of Songs gets thrown with the wisdom books for lack of any other place that it fits. However, this book is all about love and communication. And God is, through this book, showing us the wisdom of learning to communicate honestly and deeply with those around us. 
as he wants to communicate with us. As Jordi and Linda said, we learn to communicate our heart. This is what Song of Songs is teaching us, to communicate our hearts in the deepest, most personal of languages. Song of Songs is a story of lovers communicating their deep and passionate love to each other. It is weird to read because we are not that couple, and that language is personal to them and their relationship. They seem to be in sync, and their passion for each other oozes or gushes out of every page, to borrow the Ketchum's phrasing. Have you ever had couples that seem to speak their own language or are so in sync telling a story that each jumps in with different parts of sentences and details? It's a familiarity that comes with time and the sharing of events and stories together, growing through these experiences together. Jesse and I often get accused of finishing each other's stories and of also using code language that has developed in our household as our kids have developed more in, in learning to talk and now they know how to spell, so we can't use that either. <laughs> so we've had to develop alternate turns to kind of stay one step ahead of them. Code Chilliwack. This is a term that was created after two back-to-back -back trips to the Okanagan where we ended up stopping in Chilliwack to clean up after a child that had been carsick. It is now a term we use to discuss how the kids are feeling without letting them know that we are concerned they in fact may be nauseous. We also have a few endearing pet names for each other, but I did not get permission to share them with you, <laughs> so I won't. <laughs> but it's awkward to hear these conversations between people, especially lovers, that are intimately familiar with each other because we know we're missing the inside jokes additional communication, and extra endearment that is also communicated along with the words they are saying. In Song of Songs 7.2, we see the bridegroom describe his beloved as, your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled in li lilies. Funnily enough, Rich used this verse last week, which again was part of my stress. <laughs> But I don't know about you, but I was raised you probably should never comment on anyone's belly, including your wife's, unless she's pregnant. And then you should be very, very careful. And it's, it's that carefully that I want to expand on there. Even in the most mature relationships, we don't speak like the bride and the bridegroom because the chances of our intended compliment being misinterpreted are too high. I remember one time Jessie had her hair styled after getting a haircut, and it was probably only slightly different. But when she asked me what I thought of it, with no hesitation, I spit out, it's big. I then spent the next half hour explaining and apologizing for what big meant. If I had said voluminous or even safer, it looks great. I probably would have been fine, but instead I said big. I meant it in a complimenting way, but because it was not my usual vocabulary or what Jessie had expected, she assumed I did not like it. I see two main reasons for this. One, we have all been experienced being hurt by words. An old quote is, a tongue has no bones, but is strong enough to break a heart. Or in Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
As we have all been hurt in the past by harsh words previously, we tend to default to anticipating the worst in what someone has to say. Usually, this also stems from the lies and the insecurities that we have about ourselves. Two, we are not used to thinking about ourselves in such detailed language, and we dismiss compliments that don't fit our picture of ourselves. Song of Songs illustrates to us two lovers that speak unabashedly about each other, but key in these passages is also that they accept each other's words with love and understanding. How different would our relationships be if we spoke as honestly and used poetic language? How different would our relationships be if we accepted what people say with an assumed positive affirmation and did not look for hidden criticism? What if we learned to communicate our whole heart, not only with our spouses and God, but also those around us, to gush our love and see that received and treasured as we treasure their words to us? How many of you know that God wants to develop a love language with you? That he wants to gush words of love and encouragement to you? Words that only you will understand because you are unique to him and he knows every detail of your life. Rich last week pointed out two biblical examples, one Nathaniel and then also the woman at the well, where a simple phrase to anyone else was life-altering truth to the person to which it was intended. During presbytery, we see this when God will speak through the prophet a word or a phrase that is unique to the receiving party's life. This is one of my favorite moments. It's kind of like watching the groom when the bride's about to come into the church, but the person's usually sitting there. They're quite nervous. Then the prophet starts, and it's usually just an innocent word or phrase, but immediately upon hearing it, you just watch their face light up as they're instantly filled with the knowledge that God is real, that God loves them, and that he is speaking directly to them. God uses these moments to speak his love into our lives. However, you don't have to wait for a presbytery, for there is another language that God has given us to talk to him, and that is the speaking of tongues, a private language through the Holy Spirit between only you and God, a language of syllables so that you are not struggling to think of poetic turns of phrase, that your sentences are awkward, or concerns about the connotation of a word but that you let your tongue, mind, and heart flow in pure, unfettered love to God. You can communicate your whole heart to him. At Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, the surrounding crowd thought that those in the room were all drunk due to the joy and exclamations of, that were coming from the room. They were all experiencing that gush of love from God and in tongues, pouring their love back to him. This was a moment where a small group of people combined with the Holy Spirit opened up the heavens above the earth. God wants to pour that gush of love out onto you. In some theological circles, the Holy Spirit is described within the Trinity as the love that is flowing between the Father and Son. It's a love so strong and distinct that it has an equal place in the Trinity. How perfect a description is this? that when Jesus was describing the helper that was to come, it was to be love. It is love that gives us the gift of the prophetic. It is love that gives us healing. It is love that gives us the power to open the heavens and bring around more of his kingdom of love.
Tongues is our expression of that love to a God that loved us so much that he sent his son to be humiliated, beaten, and died, all so that he could repair our ability to express love and bring us into his presence so that he can love us for eternity. We find the words of Song and Songs graphic and weird, awkward, but how many of us are willing to ask God to speak to us honestly using these words? How many of us are ready to receive those words of love and not dismiss them, but embrace them? Because this is how our Creator describes us. How many of us speak these words back to God, take advantage of the gift of tongues that we're given so that we can unleash our love to Him that loved us first? As Rich spoke about a few weeks ago, there are potentially millions of worship songs in our human languages, and we have yet to run out of ways to express, describe, and summarize the awesome power of God's love. How much more could we all express to God if we use a divine language that has no negative meanings, no negative connotations, but that each word is perfect and unique to the relationship between you and God? How much more can we glorify him if we develop and use this tool to converse with him daily? Like the lover in Songs of Songs, we see that as they speak to each other, there's this building effect as both are filled with more and more joy at the sight and nearness of each other and the anticipated consummation of their love. Same with God. The more time we spend with him, the closer we get to him, the more we will want to worship and praise him. As Jordi and Linda said, there were many nights of coffee marathons to share their lives and develop their love language to each other. God is waiting to talk to you. So maybe put on a pot of coffee, sit down, and tell him you're ready to talk. If you've never spoken in tongues before, God's a great teacher, and I've, I've heard he's pretty understanding. So just be open with him and let him guide you. I would like to finish today by praying that we would all be filled with the Holy Spirit, that he would come and fill our hearts with love language to our God, that this morning, today, tonight, tomorrow, or even a month from now, we would remember that we can speak directly and poetically to our God. We can gush our love out onto him and know that he sees our intentions and will do nothing but pour his love back out onto us. Let us pray. Lord, I just thank you that you sent a helper that came to show us your ways, to give us ways to assist you in bringing your kingdom to this earth, Lord. And that is part of that helper, Lord. You gave us a way that we can speak so perfectly and privately to you, Lord, that the words are a unique language to each of us, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray today that for all listening, Lord, that you would just fill them with the Holy Spirit, Lord. Fill them to the top and overflow them so that out of that overflow, Lord, they would feel their tongues speaking to you, Lord. It's weird. It's, it's just sometimes, even for, it just, for me, it still doesn't even feel natural sometimes to speak these these syllables, and, and it almost seems nonsensical, Lord, but we just trust that our hearts and our minds are all on you, Lord, and that it is a perfect communication of everything that's within us, Lord, because you know everything that's within us. 
And so as we struggle to find the right words to communicate to our partners and our friends and our family, Lord, we just lean on the conversation that we know we have with you, Lord, that you always assume the best for us, that you understand that even as we, even as we pray words that in some cases may be taken differently, Lord, we know that you take them in the most perfect and loving of ways. So, Lord, we just thank you today. We thank you that we could meet and that we could worship you and praise you for all that you have done for us. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining in. Hopefully you guys have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot.